1: We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning shop now in store or online. Kroger fresh for everyone. Ah, Michael Routes. Sorry. I didn't get to see. Oh, look at who's fancy. Look at this suit. It's very smart. <laughs> what color is that? Well, we'll talk about it on the air. I like to talk about <laughs> yeah. these things on the air.
3: David. Football. Football David. The Dave Damaschek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamaschek.nfl.com. Now here's your host,
1: Dave Damaschek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. Welcome to the latest episode of the Dave Damashek Football Program, available as always on iTunes, Stitcher, and NFL.com slash Sheck.
2: S-H-E-K, Sheck,
0: Sheck, Sheck.
1: Here in mid-July, we are a matter of days, nay, hours, from our favorite pro football players heading off to community college campuses and wherever else people do their training camp as we get ready the days are now really counting down to the kickoff of 2014 football season football is over we have made it we appreciate what they did soccer it uh, bridged the gap for us a little bit here now we're in uh, July and before we know it we'll be watching football and everything else so let's kibitz about all of us and this is going to be a good show like Babe Ruth in the 33 World Series, I believe, is when he did this. He called his shot to center field in Wrigley Field. I'm calling my shot here on this episode of the DDFP. This is going to be a good one because we have one of our very favorite football playing guests here with us, seated directly across from me in Studio uh, Studio 4 as we await the unveiling. Of Studio 66 Maximum Strength. It is, uh, it's coming soon before we get the kickoff. Meantime, let's say hello to one of our pals here. He's a Super Bowl champion now. It is Michael Robinson. What's the poop, fella? What's going on, Dave? It sounds good, man. I like the introduction.
4: Do Super you? Bowl champion. Man, that, that sounds so good. good, man. It's awesome.
1: Has it occurred to you, <laughs> did Pete Carroll ever say to anybody, Hey, You got that ring now, and no one can ever take it away from you? Has he used that exact phrase? Because a lot of head coaches use it.
4: He has used it before, and I can't pinpoint the exact day. But I do remember days leading up to the game in New York, he he had used that phrase.
1: I don't mean to be a buzzkill, but when coaches say that, it annoys me. Because, of course, you can have your Super Bowl ring taken away from you. You know, it's just a ring. Somebody could come up to you and say, give me that. And somebody could steal it. In know? the
4: literal sense of, the, of yeah. it, yes. Somebody Maybe I, could steal it. But if you insure it, I mean, literally, you, you pretty much have it. I mean, so
1: you think I'm parsing words too much and yes, not you are. embracing you, the glory exactly. of it. Exactly. Come on. Come on, Dave. I'm just saying you can, you, look, you nobody can ever n- say that you're not a Super Bowl champion, but the physical ring I could take away from you. But
4: that's what he was talking about. Nobody All right. Take the then that's what he should say. should
1: It's confusing well, for people. too many
4: words. I
1: know, but I know you have
4: to explain it. We're dealing with. I'm hypersensitive about dumb stuff. Well, some guys didn't even get their degrees, so it's like, you know, come on, (laughs) don't go into
1: it too much. We're about to play a football game, man. So, how are you? First of all, we talked to you. I think in like maybe it was a week right after the Super Bowl. Yes, February. You, Michael X. Bennett, he announced (laughs) us because I got into him about Martellus Bennett, his brother. Yes, I told him. Oh, yo, you got some sound over there, black tie behind the glass.
4: You're not starting anymore.
1: Man, you should be (laughs) starting. That was Michael Robinson telling us about the psychological games that he has to play with his foes. See, you pump them up, and then that makes them say, yeah, you're right. I should be playing more than I am. Absolutely. You're not starting anymore. Man, you should be (laughs) starting.
4: Well played. I like that. See? You you have to use every advantage, man, especially as you get – Older in the game. Wait a
1: second. What is – first of all, I wanted to say your outfit is sublime. What color is that suit? It's a a small plaid you got going. Yeah,
4: it's – I'm colorblind, so my wife put it together. uh, I think it's black.
1: It looks very good, whatever. I don't think – it looks like almost like it's got a – uh, a burgundy hue or maybe a brown hue. It's a, it's weird in the light here, but it looks really nice. I oh, like it you. very much. Thank you. And thank what you, is the you. ring you're wearing?
4: Uh, this is uh, Tiffany's made this ring especially for me and 52 other guys that uh, uh, played um, in this game called the Super Bowl. This is my Super Bowl ring. You know, 48 stones. Here you go, Dave.
1: I, oh, I get there the whole the Super there Bowl ring? Get go. a picture of this, Black Tie. <laughs> this is as close as I ever get. Well, I mean, but the thing is, yeah, let me let me show what it looks like. I guess I shouldn't wear it on my <laughs> my ring finger though. So. There it is, man. Looks even bigger on my uh, puny hand there. <laughs> and now, I hate to do it Can to I you. Can I just say I love you, how you now,
2: stopped talking to take a photo on an audio <laughs> yeah, podcast? Yeah, yeah, Fair like, enough. Really
1: stopped. Well, because you know what? I was contemplating my next move, and I hate to say this you to you. You can't move fast enough. But three well, three minutes ago, I warned you. Now you've handed <laughs> it over to me. Good luck. Now you have lost your Super Bowl <laughs> ring, haven't you, Michael Robinson? No, I have not. No, I have not. You think either. you could take me? Yes, If it I comes could. to it, you think you would go after me and take me down? Yes, I would. All right, take your ring. No, that's awesome. Thanks, Thank man. You, Good for you. That's Thank you, brother. I, I didn't thought want it was have to do that. Anyway. I thought it was always a ceremony, though. I thought they did that on the the first game of the season, kind of thing, and get you a big cheer from the fans and everything.
4: Well, I think just because the team, you know, guys are in different places. Some guys like myself aren't playing. There's some guys in Jacksonville. There's some guys all over mm-hmm. the place, and uh, I think they wanted to do it in the offseason so we can get together as that's a team. That's nice. More time, you know?
1: I love the environment there. Let me ask you about this. This is something that. Pretty much the day after the Super Bowl, I started talking quite a bit about, and I think maybe we addressed this when you came in back in uh, February with, like I say, Michael Bennett, who uh, to finish the, the tale, he is, you know, he has parents and they named one of their kids Martellus. And one Michael, which is weird. That's a lot of range in naming, right? <laughs> yeah. If you're the sort of parent who gives Martellus, you think you would come up with like Barkevius Mingo has a brother with an equally, you know, creative cuckoo name. name. Yeah. And, but then, and then we go back to Michael. So it was, it was like they were trying to have the best of both worlds. I said, we got to do something about this name, Michael Bennett. He said, let's just go Michael X. He wants to be Michael X from now on. I told him an X on the back of his jersey would look pretty cool.
4: That would be awesome, but but Mike Mike's a little different, so uh, he he could possibly do that. He
1: would change his name. So watch <laughs> out. I mean, really. they're funny fellas. I like uh, I like him and Martellus The quite entire
4: a bit. family looks alike. Have you seen everybody? I mean, everybody looks the exact same. It is same. funny how I mean, much
1: they look alike. Yeah, the brothers you, at you least have I haven't see seen everybody. the other two, really. Everybody
4: looks the exact same. I mean, they're, they're a great family, man. We we we've uh celebrated together after some games, man. They're, they're awesome.
1: Yeah, smart, a uh, couple of smart very funny guys. Yeah, fun to get together with. And that seems like what the Seahawks are about. Two things that stand out to me about the Seattle Seahawks team, and and uh, let me know what you think about this. One is that Pete Carroll has changed the argument now to me. I think it's changed the approach of – Successful, Maybe not Pete Carroll specifically. Maybe he's riding a wave that seems to be the new philosophy with NFL franchises. And maybe across the board in pro sports. Witness, I don't know if you heard, this guy LeBron James has yes. decided to leave his home in South Beach and move back to, uh, to the Cleveland area now. I feel like you hear Pat Riley say, It takes guts. You can't walk out the door at the first opportunity. You hear... I'm not trying to compare the, the tone and the message, but, you know, Richie Incognito a year ago, he gets basically what he was going for, what the Dolphins, if you believe what Incognito says, was encouraged to do was to toughen this guy up, you know. And yeah. Jonathan Martin didn't like it. Dwight Howard fled L.A. because Kobe is that A personality, you know, that, uh, that uh, get-in-your-face kind of guy. And some guys just don't like that. I feel like what I'm leading to is, is the 21st century athlete, Now, again, so you know, Bob Knight doesn't work in the 21st century. Vince Lombardi even might not work in the. You have to be nice. People want to have a good listen. You're professionals now. You have a different sort of frame of mind about you know. I want to stay healthy, and I want to take care of my family. And the amount of money there is such that you want to. and, And we know so much now about CTE, and you don't. You know, it's not about getting in your face and all that kind of stuff. Am I right that that's antiquated and Pete Carroll is embracing more, that players-coach kind of mentality, and that works for –
4: Absolutely, Dave. I mean, the athlete has changed. I mean, you you have to think about this. Um, With with social media and and all the avenues that that, that players have to communicate with fans, you have to make your work environment – I think Pete has really embraced this – He's made the work environment so fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, it was such such a contrast when I left San Francisco and went to Seattle. Hmm. He makes the work environment so fun, literally, it's hard to go to sleep the night before because you're excited about waking up to go to work. It was totally different. You know, playing music when you go into the meetings, shooting basketball, you know, uh, I think I think he's he's understood the, the, the psychological part of it. I mean, he's he surrounded us with, with all the resources so that all we have to do is do what God put us here to do is play football. You know what I mean? He's got psychologists there. He's got nutritionists hmm. there. You don't really have to think about much. And, and he's just creating a family environment where guys, they wake up and they're excited about practice. They're excited about uh, just listening to whatever he has to say.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, that uh, pretty much is what I imagine. You do hear from—I've talked with a number of Patriots over the years, and Bill Belichick seems more Vince Lombardi than he does Pete Carroll. But in fact, from hearing guys, they say, "Oh, behind closed doors, he's fun. He makes it enjoyable." Of course, he cuts more the figure of like, "Don't talk to the media, shut it down." And even Pete, Pete Carroll even says, "I don't." Richard Sherman can say what he wants. Be your own guy. That seems like. To me, that if you go against that, I mean, I'm not just picking on Greg Schiano, but, you know, Greg Schiano, that didn't work out, that two-year experiment. And he is that throwback, in-your-face, hard-nosed kind of guy, talking in those platitudes and everything. It does seem—you think about the guys that are successful. Mike Tomlin, uh, Andy Reid, Rex Ryan to some degree, you know, has had a couple of rocky seasons. But that's— that's the way to create a winner. It's not just hey the play hey the short term gain is guys want to be a part of this, but it seems the long term is you win more too. You absolutely do, and
4: and, and I've had this conversation with with guys in the, in the league. You take Tom Brady away from Bill Belichick, and the the losses mount up. Hmm. I think Tom Brady has uh, been a a, a big time buffer for um, Bill Belichick's different coaching style. Tom Brady's won games for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, I hear those guys, you know, just do some wild things at practice with regards to conditioning and and all those things that you just can't do anymore. Uh It's not the Junction Boy days. These guys are coming into camp game-shaped. Game ready, uh, it's not like we we have to spend training camp to get the guys in shape anymore. I mean, just small stories like that is why that type of coaching style is getting to be a little bit outdated.
1: I think it's sort of like anything else, that the league, that the the pro sports have grown up collectively over the last, you know, 25, 30 years. When I was growing up, I remember, I think it was 81-ish, when Dave Winfield signed – a million-dollar deal, and it was front-page news. He didn't make a million dollars a year, I don't think, if I remember it correctly. I think the deal amounted to, to, a to, a big, to a big figure. And, oh, how people swooned. And it took a little time, a, a generation or two. But now all the pro athletes now understand it's a business. You know, there are very few guys who don't grasp that concept. You guys are businessmen. And when people say things like, you know, as a, as a, for instance, Carmelo Anthony. Like, you know, why why, why would he sign with the Knicks? What, what does he need that extra $20 million for? Because it's the you're... off the off-the-court deal. That's
4: right. I mean, th- that's where the money don't is.
1: Treat, don't treat <laughs> pro athletes any differently than you would anyone else. Listen, you know what they are? They're businessmen. Carmelo Anthony, if if all you want is a new car or two, then, yeah, you can get by on the $80 Yeah, I think you'll yes. survive nicely. If you want an extra house or take some extra trips, if you want a piece of ownership you want that extra 20 30 million dollars i think this is something that fans are missing out on that that's you know that, that it's so easy to say oh what's, what's what do these guys need that extra couple cuz they're it, looking for, they have higher aspirations beyond the game it's the new age of athlete again with social media mm-hmm. i
4: can i can build my own brand without paying a professional to do it hmm. i can sit at home and tweet and create pictures and do whatever i want to create whatever brand i want And that's what guys are doing. I love Johnny Manziel. Hmm. Go have fun, man. I agree with that. Of it, (laughs) I I agree with that for the most part. I mean, I mean seriously, honestly. But when it's time to play football, you know, be the example and be and Mm -hmm. and be all about it twenty four seven. But. It's not like guys back in the day didn't go out and have fun. Mm-hmm. It's just that there wasn't a camera phone for guys for people to tweet about. It.
1: I know it's somehow darling that Max <laughs> McGee went out on a twister the night before the first Super Bowl and then <laughs> caught two two. But now it's but now shame the devil if anybody enjoys. As I always say about Johnny Football, in defense of him, if you think Peyton Manning and Tom Brady do nothing when they leave the practice facility but oh, go you're home crazy. and eat ice cream with sprinkles you're on crazy. it. You're you're Yeah, you're, you're probably uh, a little <laughs> naive there. Real quick, what? Do you, so you mentioned uh, San Francisco. To me, I would have thought Jim Harbaugh is one of those players, coaches, who makes a lot of fun. Not as much fun as what it is in Seattle. Well, you
4: have to remember, I, I, I was there before Jim Harbaugh. I was, oh, yes. I'm
1: thinking th- so I thought you went back there briefly and no, were around Jim Harbaugh No, no, for a no, while. no, No, oh.
4: no, no. I was with um, uh, Mike Nolan drafted me. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, then Mike Singletary came in and uh, made us practice two times a day, full pads, nutcracker drills, all, and all of that type of stuff. But you know, whatever.
1: But <laughs> can't um, say it. That's Mike. That's, I, oh, that's I asked Mike. him to say I, it was the Vernon Davis. Like, can't do it. He said, Won't "I do it." He said, "I nope. can't do it." Won't. Yeah. So he instead just uh, gave me this. Can't, can't say it. it. <laughs> close enough. Close enough. Anyway. Um, so and then Pete Carroll. The other question I have about him specifically is. Is he a good coach? Because to me, and I'm not going to rip anybody specifically right here, but you watch some of those hard knocks. If you go back and watch them, some of those guys stand out as, does he ever talk about actual X's and O's? Does he ever actually coach any player on technique? He seems like he just rolls through rooms and gives inspirational uh, (laughs) sort of platitudes and then walks back out. Is Pete Carroll, when it, does he actually coach guys up or is that left to other people?
4: Yes, he, he does coach guys up, but what I, what I do say is Pete puts a lot of responsibility on his assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. If um, Marshawn fumbles or if um, you know, I, I may miss a block or something like that in, in a game, he's going to go to Coach Sherm and say, Sherm, your guys, hmm. get them together. And uh, that, that's that whole accountability factor, you know what I mean? And and you know, Coach Sherman will come to us and say, "Guys, we got to hold onto the ball, Mike. You can't miss that block. Look, look what you're doing to me upstairs." You know what I mean? And then we develop that pride, that sense of you know, p- protecting our coach. Mm-hmm. We don't want to make him look bad, so it it kind of develops that line of you know uh, of of accountability that you know it makes it fun to go to work.
1: All right. Well, so that's that. And oh, oh well, you mentioned Marshawn Lynch. That was the other thing I just wanted to ask you was. What about I know you're his best chum, or one of his best chums at least. What Get you were his mouthpiece at the Super Bowl and all that stuff when he didn't want to participate in Media Day and everything. Why didn't he go to the White House? That bugs me. And I'm not I'm not some, you know, blind eyed patriot. I mean, of course, love the red, white, and blue and all that. But I'm I I to me I didn't like that. I thought that was if you have a chance to go meet the president of the United States, you do it.
4: Well, you know, I don't know. With your know, team it is I don't know exactly, you know, the ins and outs of that, but from my understanding over there, I think he has something else going on.
1: I mean, it's just. The, the, oh, well, his the, mother said the, 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 he didn't feel like yeah, it. Yeah,
4: he just didn't feel like going, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's that's Marshawn. And I mean, you go meet the president. You can't take pictures of him. They oh, no. They smack your cameras and stuff down. I mean, you get to see him. I mean, you shake his hand, but it's like you really go see the White House. Yeah. And you
1: see the president for a second. So you. you know d- what I but mean? you were there, though, yeah, right? I mean, I was
4: there. I mean. What'd you
1: call him? Um. President, Mr. President. You there, You say, hello, Mr. Yeah, President. You, you don't going, call Mr. him President? Barry or anything like that? No. No? No. no we'll that would be that. maybe disrespectful, too. Yeah, you probably can't get away with that. <laughs> um, all right, Black Tie, hit it. We want to do a quick uh, pre-training um, camp edition of a something we haven't done in a little while here. Do we, though? Inside. What do you mean? We have, like, two minutes left. Oh, we only have two? man. Oh, man. Michael Robinson, <laughs> you're too good. It's too interesting to kibitz with I apologize. you. I, apologize. I want well, so didn't just tell us without the pomp and circumstance. In at this time on the on the calendar, what is the football player thinking right now? You're about to head off the camp. What's the frame of mind?
4: Uh, well, it depends. If you're a guy five years and in, in, in up, you're probably you're probably like, oh man, you're looking at the calendar. Oh, tour days are coming. Why, why, why?
1: How bad is it? You how many? So, mean? how long does it go when you do one, uh, when you do um, two a days? How much is each practice then?
4: Well, w- with the new rules, I mean, you, you can't be on the practice any longer than three and a half, four hours anyway, even when you have two a days. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like it used to be when I, when I first came into the league again. Mike Singletary, we had practices, two practices a day, full pads. Both uh, both practices were two and a half hours. I mean, it, it, it was nuts. I mean, we went 2-0, oh, but then lost the next eight. Hmm. I mean, you know, th- that's what happens when you have too tough of a training camp. But training camp, I mean, it's just tough. It's just because you're just not around your people. I, I used to tell Coach Carroll, Coach Carroll, let the older guy stay at home.
1: It'll make I agree with so that. Much better, you, you should know? get to show up like two weeks later than everybody else. But, you know, I mean, freshman orientation exactly. or whatever you want to call it. Exactly. Yeah. Let the let the newbies,
4: you know, do their own thing and and get acquainted with the league, and and then we, we come in and, and and then the real football starts. But nah, man, I, I would rather stay at home, lay next to my wife. So. Of
1: course, who wouldn't? I. <laughs> that sounds that that seems like the bummer. The one the, the worst thing about being a pro football player, you have to go do that for a month out in the heat. Where do you do it in Seattle? Where do they do in it in
4: Seattle? They do it, they do it right in Renton, right at the uh, Well, so it's at least
1: it's not humid there. It must no, be worse no. if you're, like, on uh, Houston or something like that. I have been blessed. I've worked in San
4: Francisco and Seattle. Both, <laughs> both training camps were awesome. So That I, would know. be like
1: – like, <laughs> I would consider – I mean, I guess the amount of money I would get paid would somehow factor in there. The quality of the team, if the coach is nice – because, like I always say, Bob Knight, I went to Indiana University. I cheered for his teams, but I if – Coach Knight yelled at me like that, it wouldn't make me pl- better. It would make me cry <laughs> and maybe wet myself. Like, that wouldn't be good for me. That doesn't work on everybody. So that would be another consideration, the quality of the uniforms. And then, and then lastly, is it nice and cool at training camp? Because I don't want to have to go – like Jacksonville. I mean, I'm, The I'm, or, quality
4: of the uniforms? That's in there.
1: I mean, it's, a, it's not number one, but it's a consideration. Really? Yeah. If I have to wear that Jacksonville helmet, that's – no, sorry, I can't make your team. Who cares about I care about it. Really? You think I want to be a s guilt by association? You're a stylish man. You mean to tell me it doesn't make a difference <laughs> to you what you Let look me tell like? You, something. I can you make, wore the nice Penn I can State make uniform. Any uniform look fly. See, I don't have that kind of confidence. So you see. Well see, it's in you. It's not in the uniform.
4: What about it's the Penn State uniform? The best uniforms ever.
1: Of I like all it time. very much. It's top three college uniform. I mean what are better which ones are better? I like Alabama with the numbers on the side of the hat. That's, That's cool. classic. I yeah, get it. Also okay. classic. I and, then, and the third great classic is Texas. I love the burnt orange. Especially when they're on the road and they go that all white. It's so clean looking nice. I get it. I, okay. I, I can roll with those two. Penn State's cleaner. Yes, Black Tie. You have a question you'd like to ask our guest, Michael I, Robinson? I was
2: wondering. Obviously, you know, you're a veteran NFL player. You've been in the league for so long. Last week, LeBron was all over the news. You know, all over ESPN, obviously, making his decision. You see an NBA player, an athlete, wield so much power. Me and Check were talking about it. Does the NFL player have that sort of power? And kind of realize, really, no. What's the relationship like between an NFL player and NBA player, or just athletes from other leagues? Do you guys see that and feel a certain type of way? Is it you know? What's that relationship been like in your career?
1: Black tie with an actually wow, good that question.
4: Was a loaded question. Right <laughs> that was there. a good one though. Wow. I like that, that was question. Awesome. Black tie. Um. <clears throat> honestly, I, I really feel like I understand what athletes go through. They, I mean, LeBron has to be has to be like that to protect his brand to, to, mm-hmm. to protect who he is. Go get as much money as you possibly can, man. Make make all the decisions if you can. If you can be in the driver's seat and 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 force enforce things to happen in the league, go go right ahead. Because uh, in the National Football League, that just couldn't happen. You well, know, to
1: some degree, just, Peyton Manning tilted things, and he held a certain a couple of teams including the Seahawks briefly hostage waiting to see what he was doing certainly but, but, not but, on this but level what, but
4: but what did it do for Denver i mean did they win a super bowl
1: no they did not michael robinson well, i well
4: i mean then all the hoopla was for naught
1: speaking of hoopla will lebron <laughs> win a title with cleveland I think I think yes.
4: I think right now the circumstances are different in I Cleveland agree. than what they were when People he People are
1: not paying attention. Yeah. Kyrie Irving right oh now God. is easily the best <laughs> Cleveland teammate yes. he's ever had. Ever had. And if you go look up Andrew Wiggins, if you haven't seen him yet, dig him up. He is ready to go. Those super athletic wing guys in the NBA – do not typically flame out. No, like the low end for him in my book is Tracy McGrady. I know this is uh, this is lofty stuff, but Tracy McGrady is sort of the low end. Scottie Pippen's the high end. What are you wait, making wait, eyes whoa. about, Black guy? Tracy guys?
2: McGrady in his prime, <laughs> in his
1: prime, yeah, was that, legit. That, 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 yeah, that's that, not low uh, end. Tracy McGrady, right, Andrew Wiggins is. It looks pretty good say, too.
2: I would say he's likely ceiling, probably not low end, but likely if if he's just what he's supposed to be. What's the is worst Paul he George. could be?
1: Okay, well, all right. That would be terrible if he wound up being Paul George. <laughs> that wouldn't be too bad. Or uh, Kaiwee uh, Kai Leonard or any of those yeah, guys. Yeah. No, uh, yeah,
2: better than Kaiwee <laughs> probably.
1: Um, and, by, and you know, and yeah, I mean, I, I love the pieces there. But uh, back to football, speaking of winning titles, tell me why. I have some thoughts on on why this would be why won't the Seahawks repeat this year. I and I know injuries so if Russell Wilson gets hurt obviously that's bad news. Who's the guy besides him that they cannot that the the, the team just cannot afford to lose. Well, <clears throat> I, I think Pete Carroll's created a roster and competition
4: a, competi- a competitive philosophy that I think they can lose any anyone with the exception of Russell hmm. uh, or Marshawn honestly uh, right now um
1: I mean, is the division, to me, it's funny, it's counterintuitive that people always say, well, the division's so tough, ergo, they can't do anything. If you look at who wins the Super Bowls, it's the teams that come out of rugged divisions. There's usually another team from that division in the postseason. That helps. My question for the Seahawks
4: this year is, there's a lot of young guys in that locker room with new money. When issues come up in the locker room, who is the veteran – that settles it. I mean, last year you had guys like Red Bryant, Chris Clemens, myself, that they could rely on. You know, things come up. Hey, guys, man, stop doing that. Hey, you go over there, you go over there, and, and it's over. No more. Mm-hmm. And guys will stop. Right now, guys have gotten paid. You know what I mean? Guys have got egos. You know what I mean? That's just only natural with money. And – they have to watch against that in the locker room, and that's something that Pete can't see. Their, their, hmm. <laughs> their offices are upstairs, and um, they just have to keep a close watch on that. I'll
1: tell you what, the, the Steelers two, three years ago suffered from that when they let James Farrier and everybody else walk away. Then the Super Bowl champion Ravens, same thing. They lost those big veteran presences. Not necessarily great on the field anymore were those guys, but when they walked away, who filled that vacuum? That's a fascinating point. I'm surprised that it isn't Richard Sherman, but is he so bombastic and you know involved in his? I'm, I, I, and I appreciate. It. I'm not d- diminishing him by saying it's WWE style, like in your face <laughs> trash talking. But is that so far? You know, is he so hyperbolic in that regard that you can't really he can't counsel other people? No, other I'm players? not
4: saying that Richard's a great counselor. I uh-huh. mean, he, he's a guy that I even confide in w- w- with certain issues. But again, he's still very young. You hmm. just can't add years to to him. You can't add uh, vested years to him. He's just so young. Again, th- th- there are guys in that locker room that are older. I mean, you look at um, uh, Big Kevin Williams. I think they have the the D tackle there now. I mean, he's an older mm-hmm. guy. He's a he's a guy that I think they would delegate that that role to. But other than that. I mean, Chris Averill is probably the next oldest guy. What? Not seven years? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not that old. He's
1: another fun guy. I'll tell you this: Seattle is an easy team to like because of the players on it. All right, black ties blowing the whistle, Michael (laughs) Robinson. You've got to go do fancy TV. See, this was just your warm up here. See, this was your training camp of sorts, and now you get to go into the regular season called Total Access on NFL Network. (laughs) Go do it. I. Listen, talk about calling a shot, like I said, with Babe Ruth. I'm calling another shot here. Michael Robinson is destined for football talking uh, uh, success here because uh, you're one of the best who does it. And that was when you were still playing. Now when you focus entirely on this as your, excited, as your career, go get I'm it. Excited. man. excited. Mike Rob, Dave. I
2: need a podcast so, so we can keep the time. Interested? I'm, I'm, I'm very yeah. interested. I'm We're very putting interested.
1: together a dream team. We could have Michael Robinson. What if we did Michael Robinson, A.J. Hawk, and, and Sway Ike Taylor? Oh. Now, I mean, what a show we would have. Let me tell you.
4: Be we the can best talk show about ever. some
1: real issues. Yes. I mean, real issues. All right, go now before Let's I go. get in trouble. I don't <laughs> want you to get in trouble. Look at this. They've dispatched no fewer than three people to take you over. What's that Damashek imbecile doing again? We need him out on the stage, Michael Robinson. Thanks, man. Great seeing you. And again, congratulations on the ring. And even more importantly, the suit. The suit's terrific. Dave, damn a shit. All right. So there he goes. Michael Robinson. That's not jive. I wasn't just saying that black tie to Curry favor with him. I really do think he's uh, destined for great things and, talking about football.
2: I agree. I need it. Like I said, I'm looking for a podcast host so who can keep to time. I don't know, know why. I don't deserve yeah. that. I don't you know? think I deserve that. You so like that what? final whistle? My charm.
1: final whistle? That was fun. Yeah. Good for you on that one. Yeah. The um, And good for you on the good question, too, um, to him. That was interesting stuff. The thing I disagree with him about, though, is that they, uh, the only position they can't replace if somebody gets hurt is – At running back, if Marshawn Lynch gets hurt, I don't know about that. Don't they have some nice depth there?
2: Boy, you know, I guess so.
1: Hey, real quick, uh, Michael Robinson leaves. I wanted to update you on uh, the aforementioned AJ Hawk. You know, another one. What a show that would be. Black tie. Is that the show? Damashek, Hawk, Sway, Ike, Taylor, Michael Robinson. Who's beating that show? You might do as well, but you can't do better, right? I think that's a good show. In all seriousness, fun? if Mike Rob,
2: you know, somehow stay, you know, is around here a little bit more, love to have him on the show during Imagine the
1: season. Imagine that. Three different characters yeah. from across these United States with different football playing experiences. So I hit up AJ Hawk to let him know we're not going to Tahoe cuz we're a year removed now from our magical duet we sang uh what did we sing? Man Black the or the white? A oh, man in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I'm looking. Well, you can play it back if you want to. But anyway, I hit him up and said, "Sorry, we ain't making it to Tahoe." Hawk is uh, disappointed about that, but he said, uh, "Let's get uh, me and the pistol, Pistol Hawk, his father, on the show." I said, "Let's do a Big Twelve. Let's do a Big Ten preview. We got to do that." And he responded, "Yep, definitely. We got to do that before the season starts." And he writes. I run into someone almost every day that says they love hearing me being A.J. Hawk on the Damashek show. How about that, Hawk? I mean, how about that black tie? Damashek's a genius. Well, I mean, Hawk is right when he's right. You know, that's it. I learned from the best, Mr. Dave Damashek Ah, Hawk. I hope he wins that uh, golf tournament going on in Tahoe this week. All right, in the meantime, we (laughs) start... (laughs) <laughs> I don't deserve that either. Um,
2: People so, love that job, by the way. They'd yeah,
1: that it. was me trying to keep up with Deion Sanders and Michael Irvin during the "Hold
2: On, Players segment. There,
1: hold on! Come on, player! All right, what's, I that, what's up with that? I have my own things I do. I, that's his thing. I don't know. I don't have him come on the the uh, the Sheck report and shout shame on anybody. I mean, he would mess that up just the same way. All right. Speaking of guys that are much hyped. This next guest of ours walking in here now, you may recall if you were listening two, three weeks ago, we brought in researcher extraordinaire Bill Smith to join us and kibitz about this, that and the other. The NFL media gang produces some fascinating stats, and I feel like some of them slip through the cracks as much football is is talked online on podcasts and on NFL network still we don't capture everything and these are some fascinating characters here that uh, we get to work with they create all these numbers and i want to put them to good use namely here on the dave damashek football pod uh, program and mainly because you know my you know some people work in oils some work in clays i work in reckless speculation i would like someone to sort of mind my P's and Q's for me a little bit. Correct me where I'm wrong because I make assumptions and because they're developed by what my gut and my heart tell me. But maybe once in a while those are fallible. Unlikely, but it's possible. So that's why we now have the colleague of mine and Black Ties and Bill Smith, Drew Christensen, joining us. What's the poop with you, fella? Oh, you know,
3: it's uh... – it's appropriate that you would transition from an Ohio State guy with AJ Hawk to a Michigan man like myself.
1: Oh, see, you know, I didn't so know that, that about together, you.
3: We can just start that Big Ten preview right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. let's. Uh, well, I, you know, I really do want to do it. How are the uh, Wolverines looking? Well, and before you answer that though, Brady Hoke, a little—I mean, cool personality. The vibe seems right. Yeah. Except for the fact that the results ain't there yet, and you should—you should see signs of a turnaround three years in, right? Uh. Well, yeah, but I mean, anyone that looks
3: like they could be uh, a standing on The Sopranos, I'm I'm down with Patrol on my sideline.
1: <laughs> no headset, to throwback style over substance. Oh, in other words, come ways.
3: on, I love it. What do you need a headset for?
1: Yeah, true enough. And uh, but who is so Ohio State is supposed to? They're the prohibitive well, favorite on, you know, in you know, 2014. Let's,
3: let's, let's uh, talk about that later.
1: <laughs> All right, yeah, we can. I, I do want to. Uh, you know. We, it feels like the draft just ended, so it feels premature to start looking ahead already. But if you go to NFL.com and look up uh, the college football work that uh, everybody's doing there, they've already put out an amazing uh, uh, an amazing list ranking the quarterback situations 1 through 128 in college football. It's great stuff. Like I say, NFL.com, you can track that one down. I went through it a little bit, and uh, man, you know, we forget. James Winston's on his way. I, to me— I and I said this, you know, during the the season last year, I, I whatever Johnny football and you know I like mm-hmm. uh, I like the way some of these guys look. Derek Carr, I like the way he slings it around. Blake Bortles and the rest. I'll take Jameis Winston over any of those guys, and it, I don't have to think very long about that, right?
3: No, and uh, you know, with Marcus Mariota and some of those other guys, it's. Uh it's a good time to be a college football fan.
1: All right, so we, so I, I want to make this a regular thing here, and uh, one of the, the bringing you in, talking stats and everything else, and maybe football fans are a little bored because contracts aren't fun to talk about, and the, you know, this, this Jimmy Graham situation—is he a tight end? Is he a wide receiver? Tell why, not in the sense of not, not in the dollar sense, but, um, well, in the dollar sense, given his production on the field. Why it's so important for him to be a wide receiver. Do you have some numbers uh, to, to, make that, uh, to make the case why it's way better to be a receiver? Well, yeah. I wide think, receiver. I think
3: his, I think his case is, is valid in that he's more of a receiver than a tight end. When you just look at when Graham was off the field last year, the Saints rushed the ball over 60% of the time. And if you're a tight end, you think that your team's going to keep you on you know, on, in those running situations. When he when he was on the field, they only ran the ball 20% of the time.
1: That's a bad – but that's a tell, and that's maybe bad for the team. Well, it could
3: be a tell, but, you know, talk about tells. Antonio Gates was only off the field 12 times last year when the Chargers passed. So, you know, you notice that big old guy lugging off the field, you know the Chargers hmm. are going to pass the ball or so run the ball. So,
1: Jimmy Graham walks off the field, you know that they're going to be – you can almost be certain that they're going to run the ball. Yeah. The thing that stands out to me, though, is – if you know, and we, we did the top 100 show again this year, and Jimmy Graham came in at 10, I think, oh, or made, nine or he 10. He made it this year. Yeah, he did okay. sneak past Dennis Pitt and got the it. other uh, and Charles Clay and all the rest of the guys, and he got uh, he was the highest rated tight end. And so, you know, we were debating it a week ago. Like I say, if he's placed properly, and it's interesting from a dollar standpoint. Of course, it makes sense that he wants to be a, a wide receiver because. I think even with the deal that he has, there are 10 wide receivers – at least, I think, maybe eight or ten, something like yeah, that, that, to range. make more money than he does. Exactly. And when you see the names, you realize, oh, they, they don't really stack up but, I mean, with with what Jimmy Graham does. But on the other hand, statistically though, he doesn't really stack up with even, he's not in the top ten in any categories outside of touchdowns. He had 16, which is monstrous for a wide receiver or a tight end. But otherwise, his numbers don't suggest that he's an elite wide receiver, if you categorize him that way.
3: Yeah, well, it also helps that he's playing with Drew Brees and then the offense that he's. he's. He's in to, you know, put up those kind of numbers and, Mm -hmm. you know, really just thinking about him as a wide receiver versus a tight end. And you're going to give him wide receiver money. You can look down the list of receivers and how many of those guys, the wide receivers would you take over Jimmy Graham. And I think that there's even more than the eight to 10 that are getting paid more. I think that you could come up with probably 15 receivers that you
1: would rather have. Are you aware of anyone, because I've never seen this happen to a wide receiver, save Randy Moss, is literally the only example of any wide receiver who's seen this. I can't remember anybody doing it to Calvin Johnson. The metaphor I always use is... The Jenga game. If every NFL team is a game of Jenga, you can take away pieces because it's inevitable that in the 21st century, you're going to lose players over the course of a season. That's going to that's gonna go down. But if you take away the wrong one, the whole thing can implode. Now, of course, that's true with quarterbacks almost uh, across the league. But non-quarterbacks, Jimmy Graham to me is the most important Jenga piece out there. Do you have anything that would support that as the case?
3: Um, I mean, no, I think that's just, you know, you going with your gut. But I also think that uh, –
1: Well, what I was going to say is everybody. I've only seen uh, defensive team, uh, uh, teams defensively bracket a guy like he's a, the gunner on punt coverage. To I've seen them do that to Randy Moss. I don't know if I've seen Calvin Johnson well, get that. I, th- they I think
3: teams have done it to Calvin.
1: But when they – I mean, you know what I'm talking – I mean, the, for the listener – You've seen punt coverage when the gunner breaks out uh, wide, and they'll put two guys out on the field to block him, so he can't break free and uh, and get downfield. Before Jimmy the ball Graham runs. got
2: that coverage last season. Tony Gonzalez got it a couple times. too oh, really? Calvin as well. Yeah, hmm. Tony in you know red zone
1: situations. But to me, I mean, the the thing that Jimmy Graham covers up is a lack of high grade pass catchers. You know, Marcus hmm. Colston is good; has had a nice career, but. He, if you, you look him up, he's not can at the very least, he's not productive game in and game out. I mean, he can go silent, and after that, pedestrian stuff out there.
3: Well, but and all those guys in that system put up great numbers. I mean, Meacham put up those great numbers, and then mm-hmm. he went away, and no one heard from him again. So, I think you know, you got to take would could Jimmy Graham put up those same numbers if I don't know, Geno Smith is thrown to him?
1: I don't know, you tell me. I, to me. I feel like yes, Drew Brees is one of the best. He's going to wind up with a gold jacket and all that sort of thing. But I contend that at this point, and people hold up, well, Drew Brees won a Super Bowl without uh, without Jimmy Graham. So you're so you're a moron, Ron Damashek. Except for the fact that you know Marcus Colston was still in his prime, and Lance Moore was playing well at the time, and uh, and uh, what's his name, Jeremy Shockey was still you know relevant as a pass catcher, and so on. In, in over the last three years, I would say Drew Brees needs Jimmy Graham more than the other way around. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I. I don't. I don't
3: know that I. That I agree. I think that it's a lot. Of, a lot of the same way that the you know when Brady was winning his championships, it was with a whole bunch of guys. And I think that to a large part, some of those guys that are with Brees are are just guys. I mean, as a I as agree a, with that, a, but a, I Steeler, don't think Jimmy Graham is as a Steeler fan. Are you to the moon that Lance Moore is? Uh, Is going to be catching passes?
1: No, but that's my point. I think that those guys aren't good as, as a core of wide receivers. I do, though, think that Jimmy Graham, I think Drew Brees has it pretty easy. Nobody has it as easy as that, save Tom Brady when Gronkowski is healthy and Matt Stafford when Calvin Johnson's out there, that you can literally, and Drew Brees will confirm this, because I've asked it to him directly, he can you, he can go back into the huddle and say, "Hey, just uh, you know, run 15 yards over the middle of the field. I'm going to toss it up to you, and that it's that easy. There's no bad that can come from that. It's like when Plexico was at his best. You know, there is there are three things that can happen on a pass, and only one of them is bad. But when you're six foot five or six foot seven and thicker, especially like Jimmy Graham. The DB ain't picking the ball off. He's either going to knock it down or catch it. It's not going to get intercepted.
3: I think that it's just uh, with the game changing. He's the first of you know of this kind. Maybe not the first. You know that might go back to Tony Gonzalez. But you look at all the you know all the guys that got picked this year in the draft with Ebron, and then some of the other guys that swope that the Colts are taking a chance on. Some of these you know these basketball players that you know defense is just going to have to catch up and learn that you know, we gotta have someone that's athletic enough to, you know, cover a guy that's six five going right down the middle. Mm. And that we're just too early in that that player, you know, being in the league. I don't know that that is Jimmy Graham gonna go down as the greatest tight end in NFL history.
1: Well, I mean it's an interesting Question: Because of course, like you started out by saying he doesn't block, so how could you categorize him as a as the greatest tight end ever? However, the numbers that he's putting up might w- might leave him in that spot. And to answer what you said four minutes ago. Or to the question you asked four minutes ago, yeah, I think he would put up big numbers. I think I, if you could put him on for almost any situation and put him in almost any spot and he's going to be productive.
3: What I, what I think is the most interesting thing about this Graham is that he just blew the lid off of the tight end market. And everyone else is huddled around that six and a half, seven million dollars. And he mm-hmm. just blew it open to 10. So now who's know, up? Is
1: there, Do when, you know,
3: off the top of your head, who's up? Um, no, I mean, you know, Gronk just redid his, I think, uh, in 12 Um you know Vernon obviously wants his new deal, uh, and then with Jordan Cameron and some of these young guys coming up, you know they're gonna they're not gonna point to that seven anymore. They're gonna point to that ten, and that's mm-hmm. a huge gap to have gone from seven million a year to ten million a year. So I think that this next offseason it's gonna get uh, gonna get real interesting with some of these guys trying to.
1: Yeah, even this uh, August to see what happens yeah. with Vernon Davis, like you say, he's a key piece, and it's hard for me, it's hard for me to believe that I say this, but he continues to be. Sort of a pseudo secret weapon for them. People don't acknowledge how integral he is. And somehow, I guess, during the regular season, they're, you know, I guess the fantasy obsession makes him seem not as great as some of the, you know, the guys that put up slightly bigger numbers. He still is productive in the regular season, but he is the best player. You can make a case if you said, give me over the last three years who's the best postseason performer in the NFL. Vernon Davis is it? Yeah,
3: I mean, you can pretty much
1: put on his stat sheet that he's going to catch a touchdown when yeah. the game starts, and you're going to be right. That's exactly right. Um, all right, do you have any other uh, numbers you want to throw out at us here? Do you want to do you want to uh, produce some hidden numbers that aren't going to be on the aren't going to be on NFL Network or NFL.com anytime soon that you would like to shed a light on?
3: Well, I'm uh, I'm gearing up for the Hall of Fame. We got mm-hmm. that coming up in a couple of weeks here, so uh, I brought some a couple of Hall of Fame. Oh, I like I talking. I like talking about the Hall. Yeah, let's see what. I mean. I, I guess where's where's your boy Elliot Harrison? Isn't he Mister Hall of Fame?
1: No, speaking I'm Mister Hall of Fame. What do you uh, mean? Isn't he? See, I got I got the Pittsburgh Steelers on my side. I got more in the Hall than he's got. He got his crummy Dallas Cowboys. Well, see, okay. I don't even know if I have more Hall
3: of Famers uh, than the Cowboys. Speaking of, speaking of, uh, and if, they are mine. Of Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> um, the. This is going to be the eighth year in a row that no quarterback goes into the Hall of Fame. The last time a quarterback went in was
1: when
3: Aikman and Moon went in together.
1: Holy hell. That's a crazy stat.
3: uh, It's the longest time that, uh, that we've gone between quarterbacks being inducted since the Hall opened.
1: That's crazy, and yeah. you know what else is interesting about that too. Now that you point that out, what are what are there like eighteen or nineteen mm-hmm. QBs? You would think if I said, I, I wish I would ask Black Tie that without. Uh, I wish I would ask him that blind. How many QBs do you think in the Hall of Fame? If you asked me that before I heard this about a year or so ago, I would have said I don't know, forty, fifty, something like that. There, I think it's not even at twenty yet. Yeah. Whoa, that's great. What to what is that owe? Do you suppose?
3: Oh, I mean, I don't know. I. I... I think that in the obviously in the coming years we've got Kurt coming up, we've got Brett Favre coming up. So obviously that that number will Look will who's on a soon. first name
1: basis with Kurt Warner, oh, well, I believe who talking about. Yeah. My <laughs> friend Kurt with whom I work on occasions. <laughs> Look at you, Drew. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a fun so one, We All got right.
3: that one. We got another one. I figure uh, uh my I'll go I'll go one name only here with Sapper and uh <laughs> when when his boy Brooks goes in the hall. He and Brooks were both drafted in the same draft class in 95 same team same round you know the last time teammates like that that fall same same draft same team same round went in the hall of fame
1: and you're asking me I'm asking,
3: just guess
1: I, I might guess uh might guess something along the lines of uh you know, Mike Webster and uh, some of your Steelers. Yeah, that's right. No. Oh, it's not, that's not right. Oh, no. I, I assumed you were you were trying to curry favor with me. No. And you were going to go from the classic 74 draft class of Lynn Swan and John Stallworth and Mike Webster. No. And Jack Lambert.
3: See, they all did. And they that four in that draft class is the most for any single uh, team in a draft class. Oh, they were, I know they were that. They're all different rounds. It was the 63 Bears it had Ditkes, uh, Butkus and uh, Sayers.
1: Oh, same round, too. Yeah, come on. I'm sorry. I missed that little nugget. And then, and then of course, the Ray Lewis and, uh, and, Ogden. and Jonathan Ogden, yep. same round, first round, that first draft ever.
3: So they'll do that, the, exactly, in a couple of years here when, when, Ray's, when Ray's up. They'll join that, that So list. they'll
1: join that thing. Wow, yeah. that's a good one. I love it.
3: Uh, and then I guess we'll, we'll go future Hall of Famer, with Peyton Manning's 55 touchdowns. I got a list here of some Hall of Famers that never even that had uh, twice or half as many as their career it's high. funny
1: i just made this point of course like i say you know whether it's uh, you know the juice or otherwise ju- the juice baseball um, you know the way numbers in baseball from 94 be- and you know until probably the the juice ball era it seems officially over now by a couple of yeah. years with pitching dominant uh, performances these days but they warp all the numbers, and so Steve Garvey and Dave Parker and guys like that don't get into the Hall of Fame because their numbers are 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 you know puny yeah. by comparison. Same thing, the passing game has now made the numbers insane. Guys that aren't you know aren't clearly the talents have these monstrous numbers now. This whole generation of guys that we're watching, and even the generation before that, Andre Reed and Art Monk and those guys have monster numbers, better than some guys who clearly were more talented, probably. Um, and I said, Peyton Manning, if you cut his numbers last year in half, 5,500, if you go twenty seven yeah. fifty and 27 touchdowns, that's a great year, 25 years ago in the NFL. And exact, Troy Aikman threw 20 touchdowns once. Wow. And so what's the exact question? Cause I want to, I well, want to so, ponder it quickly.
3: So, um, there's just a, just a handful of hall of famers here that never, you know, you cut those numbers in half, never threw half as many as Manning threw last year, uh, Aikman's, Aikman's one, his his boss Terry Bradshaw. I'm sure never did, right? Bradshaw did. Oh, this might not be on the list that I prepared, but uh, the ones the ones we pulled. Well, that would make you a shoddy researcher. Well, I mean, you know, come on, you, you
1: in the Hall of Fame? Why Tittle. It's got to be guys that only played 14 games, right? More uh, mostly Elway,
3: no. 27.
1: What his career
3: high? Really Namath, 26. Aikman obviously twenty three.
1: I'm surprised by name is because early in his career, slinging it slinging around the on way the they AFL did. That,
3: yeah, and uh, Greasy twenty two. That's his not a surprise. High.
1: Yeah, Bob Greasy should have been the first name out of my mouth. Twenty two. I mean, come on. It is it's weird like, that that guy's in the Hall of Fame. I I agree with you about that. I mean, it's hard to deny that he was on that team that was was pretty dominant in the first part of the seventies. But still, Ryan Tannehill only throws twenty two touchdowns this year. There might be, be, <laughs> out, be outrage. it's not so much about what <laughs> Peyton Manning does. It's who the bad QBs, what numbers they put up, yeah. are, are dwarfing even some of these numbers. That's funny. I was I was hoping that that Sanchez
3: would have thrown for uh for twenty touchdowns more than uh, once in his <laughs> group. But unfortunately, it's a rea- really show he, the guy. He contrast. couldn't me.
1: He couldn't help me out. Uh, all right, see, fascinating stuff. I love those numbers, and uh, thanks for joining us, Drew Christensen. I want to get a rotation of Drew, Bill Smith, and, uh, and Sudsy Sidel, and uh, I want to get these because is I, I like hearing these things. They slip through the cracks, like I say, and then they don't go anywhere, and uh, the world will see. These are, if nothing else, you go to the bar and you start mentioning those. You'll seem super smart when you, uh, when you pass these off as little nuggets of your own. All right, Drew Christensen, great stuff. Black tie. Good job getting Michael Robinson in here. This was a fun podcast, as I predicted. I called my shot, and it was fun. See, you
2: did call it the thirty-three awards series. It's
3: thirty-two. So oh, look he's going the extra mile
1: and looking it up.
3: Called Black tie. That's why they call it research, and not guesswork.
1: Yeah, and you know what else? I don't care. Call it whatever you want. I call it reckless speculation, and I'm proud that that's how I do it. Because if I'm if I become bound by numbers and facts. And inside sources, I'm doomed. I'm, you know, too late now for me. I'm doing
3: it the way I do it. Or if you stick to that, you might have, it might be an opening in our department for
1: you. I was just, well, do you see this, though? Black tie. See, this is, if nothing else, black tie now feels threatened by the presence of a researcher. I better research that uh, (laughs) home run. I
2: work with the research team as well. During the season, I do a show called the Coach's Show Podcast. Mm I'm leading a lot of research for, uh, the stuff we put out there
1: all right well listen No I wanna...
2: speculation on that podcast straight hard
1: facts all right fine if that's if that's what you prefer then go listen to your is, your, is, your, your facts
3: isn't is mooch on that show there's mooch, no there's so... no hard facts
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> coach where are you
1: um all right well thanks to uh, to drew his friend Kurt and uh, I, I successfully name dropped three you
3: really did that was that was great yeah first but name, I, I first trumped, day basis
1: I trumped you though because I Na- not only name drop, but I mentioned that I got a text from a football player. Yeah, you which read it out bad. live.
2: Yeah. And then you also posed, a- posed for a picture doing the show with the Super Bowl ring.
1: And that was, you know what, that was a shame. And Heinz, <laughs> He handed it to me. What was I supposed to do? It would have been a slap in the face to not put it you on. You been
2: talking at the same time.
1: I don't think it's taboo to wear it. I don't like the NHL, the new tradition that you can't t- touch the conference uh, trophies. That's dumb. But – uh I shouldn't have really put that on. I'm a Steeler guy. I don't put on the Seahawks ring. Dirty Seahawks ring. No, Shame it's on, on Twitter me. Now, too bad. Is that right? You put it out on Twitter? Well, not yet. I will. I will. See. Let's let's hold off on that. Let's not let the world know about that. I'm I'm embarrassed oh, as a Steeler. Oh, just hit sent
2: Sorry. All right. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, listen. Good times. We'll be back with another podcast for you later in the week as NFL kickoff draws draws near and near. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.
0: Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
2: When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night.
3: Mini Mini golf,
0: anyone?
2: It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry.
0: Toyota. Let's go places. Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise.